Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person. Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring my 10-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And we are here to bring you many previews of 10 of the most intriguing, shiniest matchups from anywhere around the football world. And that's as we define that, which is going to be different than any other show in many cases. We're going to feature uh, usually uh, top two matchups from top flight domestic leagues in countries big and small, and from anywhere in the world, not just the U.S. and Europe. We're going to learn every place. We're becoming geography nerds, quite frankly. Uh, Tournament matches as well. If the match is important, where it's being played, it's probably on our radar. Now, that all said, uh, this sort of marks the beginning of something new for the show, and I'm very excited. This is a follow-up on our uh, big episode 100 announcement. There wasn't much to say for episode 101 last week. But now, for the first time on the show, I get to say hello from Sodor. Not in the U.S. this time, me and P. New. We're at we're at my new job. Oh, there we go. Okay, uh, hello. Well, oh, darn it, the management. I thought that we'd agreed, or fine, or at least that I'd said we don't want to at least over-reference the children's television show. Look, Sodor is a real place. This just confuses the issue. Obviously, yes, the children's animated show was set here. That's fine. And yes, the island has, has a you know train system. It's actually a, a pretty big deal, but that's largely to help with the agricultural stuff. I mean, people ride them, but the trains don't talk. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes the controller or PA guy, I guess, will talk over the system, but that's not the same and not terribly in, interesting for kids, probably. It's just informative stuff. Anyway. As long as we've gone here, uh, earmuffs, any kid listener we have, person who put on your earmuffs, we don't normally run blue on this show, but I have a question about that lyric. I'm sorry. Right out of the gate, pretty much. Two, three, four, six, so they shunting trucks and hauling freight. Uh, it's Shunting is not a word I know. It must be very, very English. Anyway, the whole thing sounds like a British euphemism to me for, uh, how do I say this delicately? Uh making time with plus size ladies. It, it, it just, uh, it had to be said. I'm very confused by the lyric. I, I hope that's not what it means, but quite frankly, I don't know what else it could mean. Okay. Anyway, as far as the job, very, very excited. I want to make it all about me, but going to for a little bit. I have been hired. Yeah. Person who've got a soccer job. I've been hired as the uh, Isle of Sodor uh, FA's official international journalist. 
Now, there may be other people, you know, going to various games and covering things, I suppose, from Europe as they, you know, learn about it. Uh, but I'm going to be the official one, so to speak. And I couldn't be more excited to be here in the land of one of the branches of uh, one of my uh, of my ancestors over uh, one particular part of my paternal line. So I've been here before. I'm so excited to be back and actually be getting paid, albeit, you know, not much. It is, you know, a tiny country. Now, uh, to that, the Isle, uh, the Isle uh, country, uh, it's a country just west of England, just in case you're not familiar. And they have been playing footy just like everybody else in Europe and in the world, really, for, you know, 100, 150 years. But play here in Sodor has always been, as I understand, it's been very localized, very loose. Leagues are very fluid. Lots of times, no leagues, just friendlies in certain parts of the aisle. So they got everything organized again, and I have been tasked with bringing the league to the world. Slowly, uh, we're, we're supposed to go nice and e- easy. They're not a, uh, they're not a f- affiliated uh, with the FA over in England. Uh, I mean, they're not even part of England, so why would they be? It's a separate country. They're not in UEFA. They're not in FIFA. I don't think they really, it doesn't really sound like they have any current plans to be, but they are, you know, taking one step in the general direction of the, of the football slash soccer world in having a national league. Now, this is not the first time they've had one. Uh, the Premier League and a championship there it was and uh, will be again in the second division. They actually played one season, 2018-19, uh, right ahead of the pandemics. And, and yes, I say that plural. I mean, COVID was bad enough. We all know about that. But in case you're not familiar, uh, there was a massive mad, mad cow outbreak here as well, right about that same time. And well... Um, Let's see how to best describe this. Uh, you know how there's like yeah, 20 or 200 sheep in Wales, like every one person? Well, it's basically the same, but with cows here in Sodor, from what I've learned. Now, as far as the season, you know, they're happy to get that back going. And like most uh, like most of the world, they're going to start their football season with uh, Super Cup festivities. Now, I haven't gotten any official details from the FA. Uh, they said they want to surprise me without they do things here, and that's fine. Uh, in most countries, all the Super Cup really is is a glorified friendly between the previous year's league champion and their FA Cup winner, just to sort of kick things off in a festive fashion. 2018-19, I understand, those were uh, surprise league winners, Dryaw FC, fairly small village, actually where I've been staying, and uh, Brendam Harbor FC, respectively. So be curious to see how all that goes. Uh, everything Super Cup here is happening in the capital of uh, Suttery, and uh, the main festivities are all going to be on Wednesday, and then the Premier League will start the following weekend, uh, Saturday, October 1st, basically. Couldn't be more excited to bring all this to you. And by the way, uh, they don't even have a, a website yet. Things are, I mean, I'm going to be helping with radio play-by-play. They're not even going to be televising games over here, I don't think. Uh, but occasionally I'll be asked to help out doing a little color commentary and stuff on the radio for key matches. But anyway, they would like to do a website. So Soccer Noob USA is how you can get a hold of me on Twitter. And if there's anybody out there who would, uh, it's not really my forte. So if there's anybody out there who would like to uh, help put together a website for uh, NFA, I can't, I can't promise any money, but by the same token, it doesn't have to be anything super embellished or over the top. Uh, please contact me on Twitter. I would appreciate it. All right. Thank you for bearing with me through all that. It's just that the level of excitement of I have for being here in my first job and for almost the first season of stuff on Sodor. I just, it feels, it feels like I've, it feels like I've come home again. 
And as much as I uh, love things, you know, back in Kentucky, and I'll be bouncing back and forth constantly. So I'll have job work, you know, family there. I'll be bringing person new, occasionally my wife, when she can get away from her job. I just I couldn't be more excited to be here. I, I don't even know what else to say about it. But instead, I will say this. Let's get things kicked off for the show proper. Start mini previewing some matches. Let's get it going with match number one. For a change, we have a busy Friday in store with multiple matches, and our first one is going to take us over to Europe for the UEFA Nations League. Now, here to help me explain or confirm whether or not I'm doing a good job of explaining what this is for our newer burgeoning fans is Person Noob. Hello! Great job with the intro as always, and thanks for helping me out with this particular one. Now, I am going to guess that you are not familiar with the tournament, the UEFA Nations League. Would that be correct? Yes. Okay. Do you know what UEFA means? No. It's the big organization for all the European countries. So the European Nations League, every country has a national team, and all 55 of the countries in Europe are going to send their national team to this tournament called the Nations League. You with me so far? Awesome. Now, once every four years, there's a big tournament for all these same teams called the European Championships, or for short, the Euros. It's important for listeners to know that this tournament is different. It's held every other year, and it's not quite as big, bright, and shiny. It's not such a big deal. Are you with me? Now, the reason it's not quite so uh, shiny is because basically UEFA just wanted to squeeze more TV money out of people. Uh, They're doing this under the guise of saying we want to provide better competition. At certain times during the soccer year, all of the leagues take a break. They send their players back to their national teams, those that play for them, and they oftentimes play what are called friendlies. That's where two countries will play each other in a match but it's not part of a tournament. It doesn't count for anything. Have we ever talked about friendlies before? No. Okay, so now you know what a friendly is. So basically, the Nations League is an organized replacement for all those friendlies that's supposed to give them better competition and give us all something else to watch on TV so we can watch advertisers pay for lots of stuff. Make sense? Pretty cool? All right, now here's where things get a little bit complicated. Potentially, if you're new, which we are, we're noobs. And maybe you're a noob for listening. If you're a veteran and want to fast forward through this, we're only going to probably take another minute, maybe. Now, the UEFA Nations League involves all 55 teams, and they rank all 55 teams in order. And then they break up all the top ones play in a league called League A. The next ones play in League B, League C, and League D. You following me so far? Mm-hmm. So the big best countries are in League And the little tiny countries that are trying really hard, they're in League D. D. Very good. Now, within those leagues, um, they also have groups. Those groups are not divided by ability. So let's say there are 16 teams in League A. You probably have like the best team, the fifth best team, the ninth best team, and I don't know, the worst team. So it's an even cross-section. And then there would be four groups of four. So a league is broken into groups, and all the groups are pretty much equal in ability. Make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I saw a sigh. That's a, it's already getting to create a little bit of smoke in the brain, isn't it? No, that was a cough. I'm a cough oh, I see. Okay, because, well, you're probably getting this faster than I did. Now, 
the winners of each of the groups uh, will move on to playoffs within uh, within their league. The winners in leagues uh, B, C, and D, they will get to move up a league and play stronger competition the next year. And that's a big deal because if you're a country that wants to get better, you need to play good competition. The losers in A, B, and C, what do you think happens to them, P-Noob? They go down. They go down. If some go up, some got to come down. So, but the biggest deal perhaps for this tournament is that while the winners of each of the leagues, they all qualify for the European Championships, which is a bigger tournament or a smaller tournament. Big. Yeah, it's a bigger deal. So this is part of the qualification process. But in a way, it's not such a big deal who wins these groups because usually the teams that are going to win these uh, groups and these leagues, they're already the best teams and they're already going to qualify. So if you're from a middle country size, like say Czech Republic, and that's a, that's a team and country we like, isn't it? We've talked about Czech Republic before. We think that some of our, uh, we know that some of our ancestors are from there on Grandpa Dave's side. A team like Czech Republic might not be able to qualify through the standard Europe uh, qualification process for the big European championships coming up in a couple of years. But if they can do good enough, even if they don't win their group here in the Nations League, when the winners of the Nations League groups, they say, oh, we don't need this berth into the European championships. They pass it down. And if that team qualified, they pass it down. So a lot of the middle teams, even if they don't win, end up getting to go to the European Championships. And that is the most important thing about the Nations League. Do you feel like less of a noob now? Could you give a presentation at school on the Nations League? Maybe. (laughs) It'd probably be bad, but sure. Yeah, we'd have to probably write it all down. In any case, all right, now let's get into the match we're going to talk about proper. Thank you very much for helping me with that and being a bit of a sounding board. Do you think that together we did an okay job of explaining it? Yeah. Awesome. The match that we're going to look at actually does have to do with who's going to win a particular uh, group in League A, because this is a team, one of the two teams, isn't necessarily one of your powers in Europe. Your matchup in one of the groups, it is second place Germany playing host to number one Hungary. Hungary currently lead by one point in that table, uh, and they lead Italy by two. They could somehow finish above both of those teams. Wow, what a huge deal. They've only played the uh, one another a couple times in uh, recent years. Uh, Germany has accrued a 2-1-0 record. When they played earlier in this event, because it's a double round robin within each group, they get six games total. Hungary actually managed a 1-1 draw against Germany. This match, however, will be in Germany, specifically in Leipzig, and you can catch it on Fox Sports 1 at 2.45 Eastern time here in the U.S. Let's get to know the hosts first. The Germans ranked number number nine, number number, (laughs) number nine in Europe and number 11 in the overall FIFA rankings. They have won the World Cup four times, most recently 2014. They've won the European Championships three times. Strangely, they haven't done so this century. you got to go all the way back to 1996. Last year, they finished in second place in their group for this event, or the last time they held it, I should say. Uh, right now, this year, it's uh, they're undefeated, but it's been a lot of draws. They're 1-3-0. They've had the best offense, second-best defense. Players to look for if you're catching this on Fox Sports. Uh, well, they've got three players with two goals each in the event. 
but I think the best one is probably Joshua Kimmich. He actually lists as a defensive midfielder, but obviously he's pushing up the field, so I'm getting those goals. He plays with the class of Germany as far as his club play, Bayern Munich. He's been there since 2015 and has earned 68 national team caps over the last six years. He is incredibly versatile, so he's going to be fun and yet difficult to keep track of if you're new like me, because he could go all over the place. His favorite spot is to lie very, very deep on the field, not get too far up in the attack all the time, and then attack from those deep-lying positions. That way, if the attack kind of uh, falls apart, he's already able to... He doesn't have to track back. He's already, you know, he's already back there for his defensive duties. This team, their current form, uh, their two 2022 wins uh, bookended four straight 1-1 draws between all competitions and friendlies. And now Hungary, the mild surprise team here. Uh, the fans, I love the name and I hope a lot of them travel. The Carpathian Brigade. Uh, they used to be one of the very... Uh, Teams are part of the class of uh, Europe, but you got to go back well over 50 years. Uh, basically, 1986 through 2016, uh, very, very bad decades. Now, uh, the World Cup, they've actually finished as runners-up twice, but even the more recent of those was back in the 1950s. Uh, interesting side notes about Hungary. They basically invented something called total football back in the 1950s when they were very, very good. Uh, basically, all the players could pretty much play anywhere. Uh, positions were a lot less defined, and it made it very, very hard for defenses. Now, they were the ones that uh, invented it. Ajax, uh, which is a very good Dutch team, and the Dutch national team, they're more credited with kind of, quote-unquote, perfecting it in the 1970s. As far as this team goes, historically, Ferenc Puskas, uh, he born all the way in 1928. He was one of the great goal scorers of the entire 20th century during the Halcyon days for Hungary's national team. They had a 31-match unbeaten streak during this area, and they earned an ELO rating, which is like chess, except it's done for soccer, of 2230, and it is the highest rating ever achieved. They haven't made any World Cup appearances since 1986. Remember, that's when I said things got very bad. They did make the last two European championships after nearly 50 years of not being in it. As far as this event goes, last time it was helped, they won league their League B group, and that allowed them to get promoted here into League A, play tougher competition, and they're doing quite well. They are ranked number 21 in Europe and number 37 overall in the world by FIFA. They are 2-1-1 one, one in the group stage, second best offense, number one defense, and perhaps most importantly, number one goal differential. Very key metric in my mind. Uh, the goal scoring duties have been shared for this. Uh, two goals each for uh, Joelt Naji, uh, their left midfielder from uh, Team Pushkas Academia. Yes, named for the famous guy that we mentioned a little bit ago. He's earned a dozen national team caps since 2019. And then I also want you to look, look out for Roland uh, Shali. Wanted to make sure I got that right because there's no H in the spelling. Uh, he is a winger and he plays for Freiburg over in uh, Germany's top flight, the Bundesliga. He's also earned 16 national caps since 2016. Their best player plays over in South Korea, though. Central uh, center forward, which means he's usually playing behind a striker, I believe, named Martin Adam. He's got five goals and two assists on the league year over in a very strong South Korean league. And something else I want to know about him is uh, if you're new like me and you're not sure who to follow, this guy's going to be an easy one to follow. Why? Giant Noggin. Yeah, 
He's got a big old head. It was impressive. Oh, and we do have a USA connection in Daniel Gazdag, midfielder from Philadelphia, who's really been coming on this year. Uh, He's earned 15 national team caps and uh, scored four times since 2019 for this team. Really uh, moderately young and very much an up-and-coming player. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. 2022, they are 3-1-2 across all competitions and friendlies. And perhaps most impressively, not that they've had a very good Nations League, but in June, they blasted England in England in this event, nil four. Match number B. And that was far and away the longest mini-preview that we have ever done. In fact, I'm not even sure we can say mini, but hey... That's something we're doing as the World Cup approaches, and hopefully more people are finding us because of noob in our name. We want to make sure that we're explaining a little bit about at least one event or one league or one thing about the sport every single episode. So things will uh, accelerate a little bit from here on out. Match number B, yes, follow person noob's lead and replace the icky phrase number two. We all know what that means, bathroom talk, in your lives with... Number B, listen to it in action. It's so easy. Match number B, another Friday match from the USL Championship. That's the second division here in the United States behind uh, Major League Soccer. There are four, uh, depending on what club you're looking at, the teams in the Western Conference, there are two West and East, have four to six matches left to play. The top seven, by the way, from each of the two conferences will get to go to the playoffs. The winners of each of the two conferences, they will get buys straight to the semi, uh, the se- the quarterfinals rather. Now, in the Western Conference, we already know who's qualified. There's a big gap between the top seven and everybody else, but they are playing for seeding. We are going to be looking at an Eastern Conference matchup, though, where things are still a fair bit more undecided. Number one, Louisville City taking on number B, Memphis 901. Louisville, they currently lead Memphis by five, so a home win will pretty much wrap up the division, if not mathematically, for all intents and purposes, at least. Memphis, in turn, by the way, they lead Tampa Bay and Birmingham by four points each. So as long as they can get at least a point here, there's a pretty good chance that Memphis is going to be able to stay in that second slot and get to play one of the lesser teams when it comes playoff time and host them. By the way, you can catch us on ESPN Plus at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Louisville, they have won the conference two different times, 2017 and 2020. They also, and I believe they're the only ones to do it twice in a row, have two league titles, 2017 and 18. Last year, they finished in second place in the East of the regular season and got to the playoff semifinals. Little history, this team was founded in Louisville in 2014. They existed before that, but they were in Orlando. The group that owned them uh, moved their USL championship rights up to Louisville, and now they have a great team there. How great? Well, they've got the number one offense in the uh, conference, scoring almost twice per match on average, and the number one defense, only giving up uh, a little over uh, three quarters of a goal on average every other game. On the scoring leaderboard for the entire league, not just the conference, having netted a dozen already, is Wilson Harris, plays forward for them. He came up with uh, Seattle and Kansas City. He made a few appearances with the KC senior team, but mostly he played for their reserve team. Uh, 2020, he was named the uh, Young Player of the Year in the USL Championship. So who knows? This might be a guy we see in MLS or uh, maybe even over in Europe. Who knows? Someday soon. Tied for second best in terms of clean sheets. They have goalkeeper Kyle Morton on their side. He's got a dozen of those. 2021, he made one senior appearance with a major league soccer side, Houston. So he gets to say that he's done it. And as well as he's playing this year, I think he'll get to do it again 
perhaps as early as next year. But first, this match and then the playoffs. This team's current form, 2-2-0, their last four. With a 9-5 and goal differential, defense has been a little bit leaky. Can Memphis take advantage? They were founded in 2018. I love their crest. It's kind of a neon uh, look and sign thing. It's just awesome. Unfortunately, uh, the name 901, I'm not as great as. If you've already said Memphis, do you really need to name yourself after your inner city area code 901? Uh, it's it, it's kind of duplicative and a little bit silly, Memphis. Let's do better. Maybe we should write a letter to a strongly worded one to a former national team goalie, one of the all-time greats for the U.S. men's national team, Tim Howard. He is one of the three owners of this team. Last year, they finished in seventh place and made the conference quarterfinals. Uh, that's the best of the three seasons they've been in existence, and this will be the first time, presumably, that they make the playoffs. They're very well balanced. They've got a top three offense and defense. Defense is especially good. Uh, they only give up a goal, uh, a little bit less than a goal on average every game, and they've got the second-best goal differential. So their place in the table is no no fluke. Now, their second-best score uh They've got the second best score in the entire league in Philip Goodrum, but he got a red card in his last game. So he's not going to get to play this one. I don't think he would be playing forward for them. Came over from uh, Atlanta too. So who will they be relying on? Their assist man. He'll have to find somebody new to kick it to, but uh, they've got the number one guy in the league with 10 assists. Aaron Malloy from Ireland plays midfield. He came over uh, from playing for forward Madison at the third tier USL league one recently. Team's current form at two, one and oh in their last three and a very impressive 10 to one goal differential. If it weren't for Goodrum being suspended, I would say the Memphis uh, could easily get a result out of this. As it is, I wouldn't put any money on it either way. Match number three. And now it's time for our third and final Friday footy match. Ooh, yes, three. Normally, Fridays aren't quite so enticing, but a lot of great soccer being played to start off the weekend. We're going to head to a far-flung corner of the footy world for us anyway here in the States. Uh, say hello to the National League of New Zealand. Now, this is not quite unique, but it is somewhat rare, the format for their league, which they've only been doing it this way a couple of years. They have 32 teams that play in the quote-unquote National League, but they uh, they divide themselves up into three regional leagues. And then those three regional leagues will produce 10 total teams, the best ones that will participate in what I'm going to call the National League proper or the big National League. The match that we're going to focus on is from what's called the Central Division. It will produce Three teams, the top three, will all get to go on to the National League proper. Your matchup, number one in the standings, Wellington Olympic, playing host to number B, Miramar. Now, uh, it's very late in the season. In fact, I think this is the last match. Both have already, both have already qualified for the National League, but hey, I still want to see who's going to win it. That's always exciting, no matter what league you're looking at. Currently, uh, Wellington Olympic lead Miramar by two. So Miramar, if they want the trophy, they are going to have to win it. A tie simply won't do. And I was particularly intrigued by these two teams because I wasn't familiar with either name prior to, prior to seeing it. I know Auckland City because they're the uh, they're the class of New Zealand year in and year out. These two teams, while strong, particularly Wellington Olympic, neither of them has made the OFC, that's the Oceania Football Confederation, Champions League, uh, which you would have to finish in the top two in the National League in order to get there. Neither of them has been there since 2010. Maybe this will be their year. Wellington Olympic, 
They play out of Barampur. That is a Wellington suburb just south of the city center. That area has only got about 4,000 people, and I believe it is probably a largely Greek area, as they are known as the Greeks, and a great number of their players, and I believe people of the organization, are still very much of Greek heritage, just like when it was founded. Last year, they won the Central Division, and then they uh, finished in second place of the six teams in the playoffs. They also won the division in 2017. This year, four-plus goals per match. Yeah, that's the number one offense in the Central, and they don't even allow a goal per. So they have been very much the best team and are your favorite today. They've got the second-best scorer in the league with 16 in Gianni uh, Bazukas. Team's current form, 2-0-1, and what's particularly impressive, those were all on the road, and that loss was a 1-3 loss at Auckland City in the nation's FA Cup. So really no shame in that particular one. And they've accrued, even with that loss in there, an 18-5 goal differential. They are in excellent form. And now Miramar looking to spoil all that. They are the Rangers. They also play in the Wellington area in the southeast suburb there on the peninsula. Last year, they finished in second place in the regular season, won the playoffs. Uh, they have won two titles before, but you've got to go back to early in the century, 2002-2003. The offense, uh, they're getting uh, three and a half goals per match, which is second best, but it's worth noting that that is almost twice as much as anybody else in the league besides their hosts today. They have the number one scorer in the league in Hamish Watson, plays forward for them. He's got 20, just that's an insane number. Give a little perspective on what, you know, what is New Zealand like compared to say England that we all might be a little bit more familiar with. Well, if we can use Hamish as an example, he played for a league two team, which is the fourth tier in English soccer, a club called Grimsby town uh, one particular season. This team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with a 9-5 goal differential, and those are all home matches. So this is their first road test in a bit. Match number four. As you would almost certainly guess, no rest for the Friday weary Saturday match number four. We visit the top flight here in the States for the women, the NWSL, where the top six in the league will make the playoffs and the top two will go straight to the semifinals. Uh, most or all of the clubs only have a pair of matches left in the season. Key matchup here for seeding between number four, Houston Dash, and number three, O.L. Reign. That is uh, what you used to know as the Seattle Reign. They were bought by Olympic Lyonnaise ownership or ownership group. In any case, the Reign lead Houston by one in the table. What a race they have going there. Anybody could win it. They're all going to make the playoffs, these five teams. But five teams are within two points of one another here at the season's end. Greatest race in the world. You can see how this piece of it is going to play out on Paramount Plus at 8.30 Eastern time should the spirit move you to do so. And it should. Houston, uh, they play at PNC Stadium, which is also host to uh, SWAC Team Texas Southern. I, I had no idea. I just think that's cool. Go Tigers. Uh, last year, this team finished in just seventh place. This year, major improvements on offense. Uh, they're top three in that regard, getting over one and a half uh, goals per match. Pretty average on defense. Third best overall goal differential. They've got a top 10 scorer in Ebony Salmon. She's got nine. English player forward, just 21 years old. Now, she came over to the C uh, this team partway through the season. She actually got eight of those goals with, oh, I've got a saying here, with Houston, but I don't think that's right. I can't remember. Yeah, she came over from Louisville in late June. That's who it was. In any case, joining her top 10 on assists with four on the year. Well, there's two players 
Shea Groom, and then they've got a Mexican national named Maria Sanchez. But I think their best or maybe most valuable player overall has been Sophie Schmidt, their Canadian central midfielder. Veteran presence, they've really needed something like that in the middle, 34 years old. Now, she's got three goals and assists, and that's fine, but her tackle rate is over 60%, so she's really been great at stopping counterattacks. Uh, same with uh, clearances and interceptions. She has really held things together make sure this team has a lost control. Uh, team's current form, 1-2-0 and in their last three, and they just got a very big win. They went 0-1 at Chicago Red Stars. And now the rain. They are also known as the bold. I don't know why you need the second nickname, but what the heck. Uh, looks like a lion on a crest. Not such a big fan of that. Too many, time, too many teams out there named lions, so boo Seattle. That's the way we're going. They've won the regular season title twice in the NWSL, back-to-back in 2014-2015. They've never won the title in the playoffs. I was absolutely stunned to see that. I just assumed they had several under their belt. Uh, The offense isn't going to help them towards winning one this year. They're a little bit below average in that regard. Uh, But they do have tied for the number one defense of the league. They're another team that doesn't give up even a goal per match. On average, and they do have the number four overall goal differential. These teams kind of are who they are. I think that they will finish in third and fourth, respectively, but this match will uh, say a whole heck of a lot about that. On the scoring leaderboard with six is veteran 37 year old midfielder uh, Megan Zarapino or Rapino. I don't even know anymore. She's got almost 200 U.S. women's national team caps, so that shows you what kind of a new buy-in that I'm not even 100% sure. I think that uh, light neon purple hair throws me off. Joining her on the assist leaderboard with four is Sofia Huerta. And then uh, they've got tied for the second-best goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets, a gal named Fallon Tulis-Joyce. She played uh, college at the U, Miami, and I thought that this was super interesting for some reason. I like seeing their other interests and educational produce uh, pursuits. She is a certified scientific diver. I guess that's why you go to Miami. The best player they have going on the year, in my opinion, though, is Rose Lavelle, their attacking midfielder. Five goals and an assist on the year. Tackles and interceptions galore. So you're not going to see a lot of uh, counterattacks, I don't think, from either team in this match. It's just going to come down to possession. Uh, team's current form, 4-1-0 in their last five, and they just won two straight on the road. So that means that they can win on the road, but they've got to be getting a little bit weary, wouldn't you think? Match number five. More Saturday action. We switch back over to the men's side and head just north of the border to the Premier League of Canada. Yeah, if they're going to use Canadian, I say it's Canada. There you go. Eight teams in this league. They play a quadruple round robin for the regular season, which they are three quarters of the way through. The top four teams will make the playoffs, and the playoff winner will get to go to the CONCACAF League, an international tournament for our region that is a feeder tournament to the big one, the CONCACAF Champions League. Your matchup, number B in the table, Cavalry, taking on number one, Atletico Ottawa. Uh, It is Ottawa that currently lead, of course, but by just one point, uh, Cavalry in turn lead Forge FC, the usual power in the brief history of this league, by one point. Worth noting that Forge have a match in hand on both. So it's going to be really critical for one of these teams to get a win as opposed to them playing for a draw, or I think Forge are going to have a somewhat clear path to the title. Series between these two, Ottawa 
easily had the best of it with a 5-1-1 record. They won uh, 1-0 already this year at home, earned a 1-1 draw the other time, and they got a big 0-3 win on the road. They have had Cavalry's number. You can see if they can make it four in a row on Fox Soccer Plus at 5.30 Eastern Time Saturday. Uh, Cav- uh, Cavalry, they play in the greater, and it's truly crater Calgary area. They're well, I believe, south of the Calgary metro proper. They play in an area called Foothills County team was founded four years ago. Their stadium seats about 6,000, just to give a little perspective compared to what things might uh, look like in the U.S. or other things uh, that you've seen in Europe on TV. They won the regular season in 2019, last year, second place in the regular season, and made the playoff semifinals. This year, this isn't a super high-scoring league. They don't quite get one and a half goals per match, but that's good for second best in that regard. Defense is average. Top 10 score for them to look for with seven on the air is Irish forward Joe Mason. He was uh, he reps for Ireland. He's actually born in England. Uh, he played for Wolverhampton from 2016 through 19, uh, but he spent a lot of time on loan, including to Major League Soccer side. So here's whatever happened to little mini bit Colorado Rapids. Played a little bit for uh, the youth national team over there, but he doesn't have any senior appearances for Ireland even. Tied for number one in goalkeeping, clean sheets with nine. Marco Carducci came up with the Vancouver system. I don't think he ever played for their senior team, though. But the best player they have going, I believe, is their Honduran midfielder, Jose Escalante. Three goals, four assists, really good on tackles, good on clearances. So far, this has been a weekend for very well-rounded players. Houston fans might remember him. 2016-17, he made a few appearances for their senior team. Team's current form, 1-1-1 in their last three, all very low scoring, just a 2-2 two and two goal differential over that stretch. And now, Ottawa, last year they finished in last place. This is only their second season. They were actually founded by Atletico Madrid. I'm really curious to see in the coming years if this ends up being a pipeline for players to get there or if they maybe don't just send some of their lesser or younger reserves to Canada to get a little playing time until they're like old enough to drink or something. Uh, the offense, very average, just over one per match, but they've got a top two defense. Uh, lots of draws. That's the reason that they haven't been able to uh, run away with this league already and what is giving Forge a chance. Their best player and the number six scorer in the league is Ollie Bassett from England, attacking midfielder. He's got eight on the year. Uh, he came up with uh, youth systems uh, for both Aston Villa and Southampton over in England. Uh, He actually repped for uh, Northern Ireland uh, a little bit for their youth system, but he doesn't have any uh, senior national team appearances anywhere. Uh, Again, a little bit of perspective on uh, what it's like someplace versus someplace for comparison like England. Uh, He played over there one season for a seventh tier team. So semi-professional at best, Nuneaton Borough was the club. Tied for number one in goalkeeping uh, in terms of clean sheets, Nathan Ingham. He was with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the USL Championship 2018, but he didn't make any appearances there, so he's still kind of finding his level. Team's current form, four straight draws, two and two goal differential. We're not looking, even even by Canadian uh, standards, we're not looking for a shootout in this particular match, to be honest. But they've got quite an unbeaten stretch going because they did win the two matches before that. 
Mew, Mew, Mew. Let's have a recap of last week's matches. Why not, kittens? Here we go. Friday, match number one last week from the Section Paga of Curacao. Number B, Young Columbia played host to number one, Young Holland. The result was a 2-2 draw. No change in the table there. Match number B, a Saturday match from Major League Soccer. Number seven in the West, Real Salt Lake taking on number six in the East, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, big road win, one to two. That knocked RSL down to eighth place and just out of the playoff picture for the moment. Match number three was the final from the Finnish FA Cup. That was between KUPS and Inter-Turku, and your favorites won. KUPS got the 1-0 win. Match number four from the FA Cup in England, second qualifying round. Uh, The new team that we've adopted, Ashington, they took on Bradford Park Avenue. And we have another giant killing. The Minnows of Ashington won. They were from the smaller league by a couple of levels. They won 2-1. We'll follow them again for the next round. Sunday, match number five for the NWSL. New number one, Kansas City Current. They've been on fire lately, taking on number B, Portland Thorns. And the fire got put out a little bit. The result was a 1-1 draw. In fact, Kansas City didn't get the equalizer until the 94th minute. They actually dropped down to third place, and Portland drops down to fourth place. That's how tight the race is in the NWSL. Match number six from Italy's Serie A. Number three, AC Milan, flight host to number one, Napoli. And Napoli got the 1-2 win. Uh, For Milan, uh, Milan player we said to look out for, uh, Olivier Giroud, he had a goal. Milan dropped down to fifth place with the loss. Match number seven from the Czech Republic's first league. Victoria Pilsen in second place, played host to number one, Slavia Prague. And it was the Pilseners getting a 3-0 win. Thomas Chori and John Mosquera, two guys that we said to look out for, both had goals. Uh, Slavia Prague is worth putting. They lost a player to a straight red. It says here in my notes in the second minute. I have a feeling it was in the 20-something minute. Regardless, they switched places in the table. You now have a new number one in the Czech Republic. Match number eight from the African Champions League. Second leg of the two-legged home and away. Uh, in the first qualifying round, we had Al Hilal from Sudan taking on St. George from Ethiopia. Now, it was St. George that had won the first match of the home and away two-legged tie, 2-1. Two but Halal, they got a 1-0 win at home, and so they advance on the away goals tiebreaker. Congratulations on them, uh, to them rather. Match number nine from Thailand, the Thai League One. We had number one Bangkok United and number three Ratchaburi, but the pitch was so waterlogged. I, I guess they tried to play this through the rain, and it had already rained a bunch. It was so waterlogged that they gave it up uh, when it was still nil-nil in the 53rd minute. I hadn't learned yet when that's going to be reset. Scheduled Monday, match number 10 from the Liga MX Femenil. Number one, CD Guadalajara Chivas took on number B, UAL Tigres and Guadalajara. They got the win, 1 0. That dropped the Tigres down to third. Uh, then, bonus matches with explanations to come later in the show. Route of the week, Sunday from the second division in Germany, the second Bundesliga. Uh, we had last place number 18, Ruther Firth. Yeah, they were last place in the Bundesliga last year, and now they're in last place in the next league down. The 
they got to play host to number one Caterborn. And congratulations, our ride of the week got spoiled. They got a 2-1 win at home. For Gruther Firth, Brandon Meir, for Goda, he had the game-winning goal. Guy we said to look for. That moves them up a spot to number 17, and Caterborn dropped down into second place. Your most meaningless match of the world was a Sunday match from the Slovenian First League, and it was Maribor on the road winning in a row. That's the usual power there. Strange to see them in a most meaningless match, and they're mad about it, apparently. They went to uh, Radomoli and won nil 5 uh, for Maribor, a uh, player we said to look for, Roko Batorina had the first goal. Uh, it's worth noting, by the way, the Radovoli, they were probably up against it regardless, but they lost a player to a straight red card in the 11th minute, and then another one on consecutive yellows right at the end of the first half, the 48th minute. That's not a time you want to be getting picked out. Wow. Get to the locker room and cool off. And finally, your match of disappointed. Another Sunday match. This one from the Premier League of Azerbaijan, where last place Kapaz took on uh, number nine uh, Shamaki, and it was Kapaz, the last place team, getting a 2 1 win. That moved them up to number eight. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's continue tracking next week's matches as we get into it with match number six. Onward and upward into Sunday to take a look at a couple of teams looking to move upward by the end of the season. We're talking about the Segunda Division in Spain, La Liga 2. The top two teams will be automatically promoted next year to the top league. And then uh, four teams will have a little uh, mini tournament at the end of the year to determine who the third team is to move up. For our newest fans who aren't familiar with promotion relegation, uh, that means three teams are going to move down from La Liga and play in the second division, and three teams will get to move up. Just imagine if we had that for Major League Baseball or hockey or you know some league over here with a lot of teams. Wouldn't life be interesting? I don't know if it'd be better or worse, but it would be interesting. In any case, it means a lot of money, and so these teams really want it. Number B, Las Palmas, taking on number one, Granada. And let me just say it out there right now, because I've heard a lot of people from a lot of bigger outlets not get it right. Granada, Spain. Grenada in the Caribbean. Got it? Good. Let's move on. Las Palmas currently Grenada by four on goal differential. They are tied on points. Uh, Grenada lead number four, Cartagena, by one on goal differential. So that's sort of a key mark for them to keep an eye on. They all trail Olives by two points. And by the way, worth noting that the number one and number four teams are going to be playing on Monday. So a big two-day period, even this early in the season, uh, for this particular league. The series between these two, moderately even recently. Granada have had a bit the better of it with crewing a 4-3-2 and two record, but they're on the road, a little bit of a disadvantaged course. And you can actually catch this on ESPN Plus at 3 p.m. Yeah, a second division game available here in the States. I'm excited. Las Palmas, they play out of... Uh, the Canary Islands, the capital, that's that autonomous region of islands off the northwest African coast. Population is not even 400,000. Uh, they are known as Pio Pio, or Cheap Cheap is their name. Canary Islands, you get the reference. Uh, their most recent Division One before now was uh, back in 2015 through 18. This is a team that I think yo-yos back and forth quite a bit between the top two divisions. They finished in second place in the top flight, probably back before it was even called La Liga, all the way back in 1968-69. Last year, they finished in fourth place in this league and lost in the promotion playoff semifinals. They're undefeated this year, looking good with an 8-1 goal differential, number one 
in that regard. Tied for second best in league scoring is Mark Cardona. He's got four already. He last played for a Dutch team that uh, is a Division I team now, but isn't most years, at least since I've been following the sport. They've got a cool name, Go Ahead Eagles. I don't know why you'd ever leave a team like that. Eh, maybe for money. Who knows? And he's got one sort of national team appearance under his uh, under his belt. Uh, the, the semi-autonomous region of Catalonia in Spain has their own national team, and he appeared for them once in 2019. Tied for number three in assists in the league with three is Alberto uh, Malairo, attacking midfielder, just 18 years old. Uh, Barcelona has been in the lead for his services. They want to get him on a transfer, but they haven't been offering quite enough money yet to entice Las Palmas to let him go. And now Real Madrid are in play from what I understand. So that's one of the fun things about this show is you get to learn about some players that uh, most people won't know. And then when they get big, you will already know a little bit about them. Team's current form, 1-2-0 in their last three. Their last match, uh, that was a draw at relegation zone near the bottom of the table, racing uh, Santander. So apparently they fell asleep for that one, waiting to play host to, looking ahead to Granada. They are known as the Nazrids. Now, what on earth is that? Well, Nazrid was the last Muslim dynasty in uh, the Andalusian part of Spain, or at least this area. That was all the way back in the 1200s. Interesting area. Uh, 3% of the population down here aren't citizens at all. Uh, I assumed that that meant it was going to be a large North African population, but actually it's become a real hotbed for South American immigration. Neither here nor there, but kind of an interesting factoid. Uh, best they've ever done, twice they finished in sixth place, and that was all the way back in the 1970s. And that's what we're talking about in La Liga, not here in the second division. 2019-20, they finished in seventh place in La Liga, best they've ever done, and uh, went to, or the best they've done in the modern era, they actually got to go to the Europa League, the second best international club tournament in Europe. Eight of the last 12 years, they've been in Division One, so a yo-yo team, but leaning a, in a good way. Last year, they finished in 18th in La Liga and got relegated. They've got a 9-6 and six goal differential going this year. They're really much more average on defense. To be honest, I don't think that Granada, unless they shore that up with a couple of transfers, I don't see them sticking around uh, flirting with the top two. But if they can do it, maybe it'll be on offense. They do have the number one league scorer with six already in Mirto Uzuni, from Albania, plays winger for them. Uh, he's been there since uh, 2018. Came over from a really good Hungarian club called uh, Ferenc Varos. Uh, another key player to look for, tied for number three in the League of Assists. Three of those is Jose uh, Calle or uh, no, it's uh, Callejon. Uh, he plays forward for them, veteran, 35 years old. Made a handful of national team appearances for Spain uh, back in the mid-2010s. He also has played for... Real Madrid before, but he spent the heart of his career with Napoli over in Italy's Serie A. Look for him to kind of stay back. Even though he plays forward, he likes to play in deep-lying positions and then link up for players for assists uh, from deeper positions. Kind of a fun thing to watch for. Team's current form, well, they just beat last place Mirandes, and that snapped a two-match losing streak. Match number seven. We close out our weekend with a playoff match here stateside from a Division Three league called MLS Next Pro. Not familiar with it? Don't worry, it's the league's first year of existence. It is almost entirely made up of Major League Soccer teams, reserve teams. 
uh, the quarterfinal matchup that we would be looking at is Tacoma Defiance taking on Houston Dynamo, their number two team. But that's all the detail that you're going to get on me for this. We will touch uh, base, you know, with the semifinals and uh, potentially and certainly for the final. But right now, normally we do this early in the podcast. And then this is the time we take a culture break, which usually means food. Now get a snack if you need to, but we're not going to do a recipe. Oh, no, we're going to learn how to make a little money on this one, hopefully. Reintroducing, he's been off for a few weeks but loves the Pacific Northwest and wanted to toke up and give us a vision for this particular one, touching the universal infinite and all that talking about 3,500 year old in-house prognosticator Noob Stradamus back with his flowing robes and his scorched white hair and his ability to see all things soccer wise. Hey, once in a while he gets one, right? Just not much, but we still learn something. Take it away. Almighty soothsayer. What have you got? Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece, where the cutting winds that hone and shape my supernatural powers also try to blow out my lit lotus leaf. Puffing fast, this stuff hits hard, and so I am quickly once again traveling through space and time. The darkness lifts, and I am in my own past, aboard a ship. I quickly recognize the commander. Peter Puget, makes sense, was a Louis with the Vancouver expedition that explored the Pacific Northwest for the English, Tacoma area. But we're nowhere near Cascadia, and the spit is hitting the fan. Remembrance effervesces into my holy noggin. We're returning from Gibraltar on the tiny Adelphi. Puget and the other boat he re-outfitted with some sweet cannons and bomb catches captured a loaded Spanish merchant ship. But this freaking French frigate that tracked us down is going to clobber us. Still, I don't pick my travel companions out of my wizardy hat. Puget whisks our tiny boat in the way. The big frigate can't get around the Adelphi quickly enough, as we maneuver in the way repeatedly. Our weapons ship and prize Spanish capture are able to escape. Puget knows he's going to need to bribe this French captain to not take us just out of spite. I give Puget the coin necessary. He's going to need it. The Admiralty is going to screw him out of any price or prize he deserves for capturing that other merchant ship, and next year he's getting married, off and running on his way to eleven kids. Expensive and terrifying. Then it hits me. Eleven. One to one. Regular time will end with the score tied, Tacoma having outplayed their opponents this day, but like Puget, he will not get his due. In added extra time, Houston wins one to two. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number eight. As is so often the case, and well-deserved after a weekend like that, you get Monday off, new bites, 
match number eight Tuesday is our feature Major League Soccer match of the week. I think we only had like two or three matches to choose from, but regardless, we've still got a pretty darn good one. Now, there are just, depending on what club you're looking at, two or three matches left for most or all of the clubs left in the league. For our newest listeners, Major League Soccer is divided into two divisions, or excuse me, two conferences. The top seven from each conference, East and West, will go to the playoffs. The winners of each conference, they will get by straight into the quarterfinals. The matchup we're going to look at is number 10 in the West, Seattle, taking on number six in the East, Cincinnati. Now, Seattle, looking at their uh, their position at the table, they trail number seven, LA Galaxy, by four. That's the team that right now is the benchmark that they've got to catch up to. And they, so they have got to get three points at home, quite frankly, they have any realistic shot. Cincinnati, they have been on fire. Good luck, Seattle, even at your own place. Cincinnati currently lead number eight, Columbus, by three. So it wouldn't take a total collapse for them to miss the playoffs at this point, but they're definitely in very good position. Seattle, 10th place. What's so surprising about that is, for the first time in the modern era, basically the last 20 years when it became newly formatted, a U.S. team, Seattle, won the CONCACAF Champions League, the major international event here in our region. That's CONCACAF. So, you know, if they were tired right after that event, I can kind of understand that, but they should have uh, gotten their win, you know, gotten their wind already, and they, they clearly haven't. Uh, they've won the league title twice before. Last time was 2019. Last year, they finished in second place, but went out in the first round of the playoffs. This year, the offense is where they've really struggled. They're only uh, barely in the top 10 in that regard, getting less than a goal and a half per match. The defense has been top four. The goal differential, which, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is a really key metric in my mind, especially this late in the season. They've got a positive goal differential, and it's uh, seventh in the league. Now, uh, using that as sort of a star to guide by, I would put the tiniest bit of money perhaps on Seattle somehow still squeaking their way into the playoffs. They're good enough on ability. The problem has been they only earned three draws. They're just dropping too many points, coming away with too many matches where they're not getting any. Their best player and on the assists leaderboard for the entire league with 11 is Nicholas Ladiro, 33-year-old veteran attacking midfielder from Uruguay. Uh, he's made over 150 team appearances here in Seattle, a real mainstay. He is small, stocky, fast. He plays like a number 10, but he drops back really well on defense. Now, if they're going to uh, defend their turf, I think the guy who's got to help them, he's been red hot, is Yamar Gomez, their Colombian center back. Uh, the defense is where their bread's been getting butter, and they have got to keep that up. And Cincinnati's been scoring like a house of fire. Uh, he is great on one-on-one -on -one duels, especially in the air. So fun to watch. Good tackle rate as well. Uh, teams form, they've just got two wins in their last seven. That's why they've been treading water at best. Uh, they just had a two-match win streak, snapped with a 1-2 loss at Vancouver. That was one they just couldn't afford, even on the road. Now, Cincinnati, we're happy that they're doing well. It's the closest team to where we all live geographically, meaning me and Persanoop, but they're known as the Lions. It's a little bit hard to get behind, but I will say that at least they are my favorite Lions because on their crest, I've decided that I like it after not being sure last week. 
their lion depiction, they have them holding a sword, even though a lion has no opposable thumbs to grip a weapon or anything else like that. It amuses me, and I'm enjoying it, at least this week. This is only their fourth season of Major League Soccer. Now, the club is much older than that, but they were playing in the second division until four years ago. Uh, last year, they finished in 12th place in the East, or 2019, rather, they did. And that was their first season up in MLS, and that was the best they have ever done. Most uh, Since then, they pretty much always finished in last and won the unofficial gold, or uh, not golden, oh my goodness, wooden spoon, so to speak. This year, things have been quite a bit different. Last year, they finished in 14th, by the way. It was last place, but this year, while the defense – it's still not great. I don't see this team making a playoff run, but they've got the number three offense. They score uh, 1.8 goals per match. Uh, they've got the number five goal differential, uh, and they've got top 10 scorer Brandon Vasquez, forward just 23 years old, who a lot of people are starting to talk. Uh, you know, if the World Cup were maybe a year later, that they think that he would be getting called to some national team camps and camps and maybe even make the team. Uh, Leeds over in the Premier League have been very interested in him, as have uh, Chivas uh, de Guadalajara in Mexico in the Liga MX. He just signed a long-term deal with Cincinnati. It'll be interesting to see if that means you know he's really, really interested in staying in Cincinnati or if it more means that it's going to cost some team even more money than it would have a year ago to uh, rest him away. But their best player overall for the season, number one on assists, I believe, has been uh, Luciano Acosta, Argentinian attacking midfielder. He came over uh, from Atlas, a pretty good team in Liga MX. Uh, Red hot for them as late has been uh, Brenner De Silva, their Brazilian striker, 22 years old. He's been mildly disappointed in the last season and a half, to be perfectly honest. And in fact, a pretty strong word was that he was pushing – uh, to get moved back to a top flight, uh, any of the top teams over in Brazil really wanted to go home. But ever since they picked up a guy named Cucho Hernandez, um, who is supposed to be their offensive savior, and he has been to some degree, De Silva has really been the one who has picked up his game, and all of a sudden he's the hottest player going. Teams current form. Like I said, on fire, unbeaten in their last 10. Uh, they've won two straight matches, including a very impressive 1-2 win most recently at Real Salt Lake. Match number nine. Wednesday, we head back over to Europe for Women's Champions League qualifying round action. It is the second qualifying round of the two that they will have before the group stage, which is the quote-unquote event proper. Now, at this stage, each of the two teams that are facing off, they play a home-and-away two-legged tie. This match we're going to look at is the second match of that leg. Hacken out of Sweden taking on PSG, a mighty power out of France. PSG won the first leg two to one. Uh, can they do enough to take it on the road? Probably, but nevertheless, we're going to look at it. It looks intriguing. Hacken, they are known as the Wasps. They play out of the city of Gothenburg, which is the second largest city in Sweden. It's got a metro area of about uh, well over a million, 1.1, and uh, it's on the West Coast. If this area is famous for anything, it is where Volvos get made. Yeah, they play out of the Bravida Arena, which holds about 6,500. Uh, the Swedish Damos Venskan, their league, is ranked number five in all of UEFA. Now, it's worth noting that there is a big gap from the top four leagues in Europe and everybody else. So uh, this is definitely your underdog team, even at home. I think it's pretty impressive that they uh, only lost by a goal at PSG, quite frankly. 
They've won their own league title domestically once. That was back in 2020. Last year, they made the group stage in this event for the first time ever out of six appearances, and they even won one of their matches. And by the way, they qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place in their league last year. 2022-23 season currently going. They are in fourth place, and the season is nearly done. So uh, it's not looking like they'll necessarily make a return trip. I hope they're enjoying themselves. They trail a number three Christian stands in their league by four points. In league play, which I think is the best way to uh, measure how a team is doing overall and what they look like, and they've got a top four offense scoring over two goals per game. The top teams there all tend to score a lot. Uh, they have tied for the number one best defense in the league. That's the reason they're even close to third place and getting to come back to the Champions League. They don't even give up a goal per match. But their goal differential it is number four. They are who they are, as they say in the sporting world. Uh, so basically, there's kind of a, a, a four-team uh, musical chairs game going, and only three teams are going to end up getting to sit down. I think Hacken will be the ones left standing. On the scoring leaderboard for them with seven is Millie Gale. She's a Danish midfielder, 22 years old, with nearly 20 national team caps. On the assist leaderboard with four, not sure quite how to pronounce her first name. It looks like Stein, S-T-I-N-E, Larson, and Hannah Week. They are uh, both tied with that number. Team's current form, uh, they had won three straight in their league before their uh, leg one loss to PSG. And now let's talk about the gals from France. They've not won the Champions League before, but they've made the finals a couple times, most recently 2017. For those who aren't familiar with women's international football, the team that you've basically needed to know for the last decade is from France, but it's been Lyon, Lyon, Lyon. PSG are the new and rising power. Not that Lyon have gone anywhere either. It's a very interesting league and country. Uh, they qualified as uh, the Division I Feminine second-place finishers last year. Uh, by the way, this league is ranked number one in all of Europe. Uh, and I'm going to look at last year's stats because there are only two, maybe three matches into their current season. Last year, uh, they were scoring over three goals per match. That was good for second-best offense. Uh, they were barely giving up a, over a match, over one goal every other match, and yet that was still second-best to Lyon. Uh, they did have the number one uh, league-leading scorer. She is still on the roster, as you would imagine. Marie Antoinette Cototo, striker, 23 years old. She's been playing senior ball here since she was 16. Number one in league assists last season with 18 was Sandy Baltimore. French forward, a 22 years old, just five foot one. I love that she's a forward instead of a midfielder at that height. She's also been playing here since she was a teen. And then tied for second best uh, in terms of clean sheets as their goalkeeper from the Czech Republic, Barbara uh, Bodakova. Uh, interesting side note on her. She has a, a former, uh, she's a girlfriend who is a former pro poker player, or rather it's an ex-girlfriend who is a former pro poker player. And now the two of them run a fashion company together, even though they're no longer seeing one another. And they are top six all time on uh, YouTube in the Czech Republic for making money. That is a deep dive, but that's what you're going to get out of this show. Team's current form, uh, they've won all three of their league, league matches this year. Jokes from the jelly. I think you're kind of smelly. Hey. My cat's a cute, he's got a furry belly. Jokes from the jelly jar. Quack! All right, I still don't get the quack, but that was an interesting twist on the uh, on the theme song. Fair enough. I'll take your word for it. You ready for the jelly jar jokes? Yeah. All righty. 
Let's see. Are you gonna try not to laugh, or are you gonna are you gonna laugh along with him? What's the plan? I'm gonna try not to. Okay. You know what makes me throw up? A dartboard on the ceiling. <laughs> no laugh, but an acknowledgement that it makes sense. Okay, uh, I know you're young, but I gotta tell you, women are so confusing nowadays. I thought opening the door for a lady would be a nice thing to do. But she just screamed as she flew out the plane. Wow. <laughs> I got a little violent. Um, I watched a documentary on how the Golden Gate Bridge was made recently, by the way. It was riveting. I wondered if you would, riveting is kind of like nailing, but different. Ooh. Okay. Awkward silence. Yesterday, I called my landlord and said, I got a leak in my sink. And he said, well, go ahead, I'm not judging. What? <laughs> Maybe that's for the best. You want to hear a chimney joke? Yeah, I have loads of them. First one's on the house. <laughs> How do snails fight? I don't know. They slug it out. Hmm. Wow, the stoicness, the straight-facedness of person noob. It is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, what do you call a man with no arms and no legs hanging on a wall? Art. Call it an ambulance immediately, please. <laughs> All right, I kind of like your punchline better. Uh, what do ghosts eat? Spook Getty. Mom joke. I'm glad we're not. I'm glad we're not calling it a dad joke. It's a dad joke, but it's worse. Okay, last one. Why don't pirates bathe before they walk the plank? Because they know they'll wash up on shore. Jokes from the jelly jar. <laughs> Bam! A quack a doodle do. Oh, yeah. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Yes, finally, daughter dearest. But let's not forget, we still have our three super cool bonus matches to get to after this. But not to be forgotten, match number 10 back here. On our side of the Atlantic, we head to Mexico for a second division match. The second division there now is called the Liga de Expansión, and they are in their Apertura stage for newest fans of the game. Uh, in Mexico and a lot of other Spanish-speaking countries in our hemisphere, they divide the season into two stages, Apertura and Clausura. The opening stage is the Apertura. The top 12 teams of the 18 will make the playoffs. The top uh, four will all get buys to the quarterfinals. Uh, they're about two-thirds of the way through their single-round robin. And by the way, side note, I want to say that even though this might change in a few years, as of right now, they're really trying to shore up the second tier financially. So what they've decided is that they want to keep everything the same, gain some consistency. There's not going to be any promotion or relegation. There really wasn't in the several years before that. If a team from uh, Liga MX was going to get relegated, basically they could pay a fine that was going to get distributed to the, probably to the second league and get to stay up. But now we know officially it won't happen, but it's still a really nice league for us to follow because it's so close to home. Your matchup, number one, Salaya taking on number B, Atlante. Uh, both have already qualified for the playoffs. They're the only two teams, in fact, though, that have qualified. And they're fighting, of course, for one of those buys. Salaya currently lead Atlante by one. 
And worth noting, the Celaya also have a match in hand. So Atlante, uh, if they want the regular season trophy, it would behoove them to get at least a point here on the road, get a draw. Atlante, by the way, lead number three, UDG by six points. So it's really starting to look like a two-horse race. Celaya, uh, that's in the south-central part of the country, city of about uh, 400,000 or so. It's famous for any one thing. It is for making delicious caramelized milk candy. Now, I got to be honest, caramel is not my favorite, but it is my wife's. Not sure how person new feels. Maybe we'll be able to touch base with her before the bonus matches are done. Sometimes she takes a little break to do other stuff. The team is called Los Toros, and they play in a place that holds over 23,000. I can't think they draw nearly that many, but who knows? Estadio Miguel Aleman Valdez is the name of the stadium. Now, interestingly, this club actually folded in 2004, but then they were reformed in 2007. Uh, they have not had much success historically. They did win a Division II stage all the way back in the 1950s once, and that is it. So if they can get this big win, they will be dancing in the streets of Salaya, I'm pretty sure. Uh, 2021-22 season, the Clausura, the most recently completed stage, they finished in third place in the regular season and made the playoff semifinals. This year in the Apertura stage, they've got tied for the second-best offense, number one defense in the league. They've only allowed eight goals in 13 matches. Top 10 scorer for them with five on the year is Ricardo uh, Marin, forward, 24 years old. He came up with Club de America, one of the greats down there in Mexico, but they mostly loaned him out once it was time for senior ball, and then he uh, came here last year. Team's current form, they have won eight straight matches and are unbeaten in their last 10. And now at... Atlante, I didn't read about the why, but I like their mascot. They are known as the Iron Colts. They play in Mexico City. Uh, they were relegated back when that was the thing from Liga MX in 2007. They've won the second division title uh, three different times, including the Apertura of 2021-22. That was their first title in just over 30 years, though. They've even been to the CONCACAF Champions League twice, and yet here they are stuck without a promotion possibility. Uh, they won it as recently as 2008-2009, believe it or not. Uh, this year, they're the only undefeated team. They would be running away with the league if it weren't for all the draws. They're 8-6-0. They've got the number one offense going, scoring almost twice per match, and their defense, they've only allowed one more goal than their opponents today on the year. Tied for number one in league scoring, they've got Daniel Lahoud, forward 23 years old, who uh, came up with Monterey of Liga MX, mostly got loaned out. He is fast, and he likes to shoot from fairly deep. Look for him in the mid-range if you can find an internet stream on this one. Team's current form, they just got a win after two straight 2-2 two -two draws to stay afloat here in the league title race. Bring forth the bonus matches! And thank you for helping us bring them forth. After all, you have gotten to have a say in what the matches are going to be for the bonus section here of the podcast. How so? If you're not familiar, well, you can find me on Twitter as Soccer Noob USA, chat about all things soccer, and vote on the candidate matches for these three bonus matches. The first one is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of, 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 the week, 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 week. 
And the one that you have selected is from just a little bit further south than we last were. We're headed to Costa Rica, where the top flight is called the Primera División. They are in their Apertura stage. This is considered the number four league in all of CONCACAF, at least by kick algorithms, a site that I really like for such things. That this year they have divided their leagues into two groups of six. Now the top two teams from each group are going to make the playoffs. The league will send three total teams to the CONCACAF league that I mentioned earlier. Plus they'll send one other team as well. There are three matches left in the Apertura stage. The matchup we're going to look at, it's an intergroup matchup from the B division. Number one, Saprisa taking on last place from group A, Guanacasteca. Uh, overall, if you were to combine the two groups, they are uh, neither of them is the best or the worst. Uh, they would be in second and second to last place, respectively. Saprisa, in their group, they lead uh, Putarenas by six points. Looks like they're going to take the regular season title. Uh, I don't believe there's any relegation, but in any case, uh, Guanacasteca, I suddenly forgot how to pronounce it. They trail number five in the group, uh, Municipal Gracia, by three. The recent series between these two has been even. Uh, They've both gotten one, two, and one records. You can see how this one's going to go on Fox Deportes at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the night in which it will be played. First, the Purple Monsters of Saprissa playing out of the capital city of San Jose. 36 league Titles. If that's not the best in league history, it's pretty darn close. Uh, they last won the Clausura stage of the 2020-2021 year. They've won the CONCACAF Champions League twice. Uh, 2005 was the last time. That was before Mexico really started dominating entirely. Uh, the last four years they've been there, but they've always fallen out in the round of 16. The last completed stage, 2021-22 Clausura, they finished the regular season in fourth place and then made the playoff semifinals. Uh, This year, they've got the best offense going in the league. They're the only ones scoring over two goals per match, second best defense, one of only two or maybe three that are letting in less than one goal per game on average. Good for the number one overall goal differential. And why not? Because on the scoring leaderboard, they got a couple of folks, three in fact, uh, with four goals each. Kendall Watson, uh, Havon East, and uh, Luis Paradella. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight, 2-1-0 in their last three. And uh, for some reason, they've all been really low-scoring matches lately. Kind of interesting. So if they can put a couple on the board, they'll maybe have a chance at an upset. We always try to look for reasons that we can see an upset when it comes to the route of the week. Uh, Shoot, I forgot how to pronounce it again. <laughs> Guanacasteca. They play out of the state of Guanacaste. Yeah, the city is Nicoya. It's got about 25,000. That's uh, the capital of this northwest state or a uh, canton. Uh, it's famous in a non-soccer way for one particular thing. Well, a couple. Uh, first of all, it's a heavy tourism area. Uh, go there to watch the Pearl Divers. But also, this is one of the biggest blue zones in the world. Uh, really, really healthy areas. They've got the most uh, centenarians per capita just about anywhere, certainly in the region at the very least. Uh, 2011, this team got dissolved when their owner was jailed for on a 60-year sentence here in the U.S. for fraud and money laundering. 
Ouch. Owner goes down, whole team goes under. I don't know exactly what year they reformed. Uh, they've won the second division title four different times, most recently uh, 2021. So I guess that answers the relegation question. At least one team will be going down. 2021-22 uh, Clausura, they finished in last place. So who knows? Maybe it will be them again. Uh, they've got the worst offense by over 100%. They only score a goal every other match. Defense, they're... They're giving up almost two per match. And uh, most telling that gives them the worst goal differential by a factor of two compared to anybody else in the league. I don't even think they have a multi-goal score on, on the season. I really want to try to find something to be positive about. But, uh, hey, the Blue Zones thing sounded cool, right? Every, yeah, maybe they just keep playing bad soccer and that helps them live longer. Team's current form, they have lost three straight with a one and seven goal differential. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> we strive, if for nothing else, than to be really, really different. And what other show I ask you is celebrating, especially in song, two teams more or less smack dab in the middle of their table. You have voted for a Sunday match from Mexico, women's side of the ball. Liga MX Femenil is the name of their uh, relatively young top flight. 18 teams are going to make are, are in the league and the top eight will make the playoffs. There are four matches left in the Apertura stage. Your most meaningless matchup is number 14, Atletico de San Luis, taking on number 13, uh, Carretero, if I'm getting my emphasis on the right syllable. Carretero, they lead San Luis by five on goal differential. Uh, they both trail number eight, Cruz Azul, by six points. And they lead number 18, Nacoxa, by five. Not that Nacoxa is going to get relegated or whoever finishes in last. But you still don't want the quote-unquote wooden spoon by finishing down there. Uh, San Luis, full name is San Luis Potosi for the town. Uh, overall Metro is about 1.1 million. It's just outside the top 10 in size in Mexico. Big industrial hub. And part of the reason for that is geographically it's well-placed. It's right in the middle of a triangle, if you were to draw one on a map, between uh, Mexico City, Guadalajara, and uh, Monterey. So they've been getting a lot of investment dollars there. Uh, they were just founded uh, in 2019-20 for the advent of this league. That was when League MX uh, started requiring their clubs to uh, field women's teams for the top flight. 2021-22 Clausura stage, they finished in 11th place. So they're in fairly familiar uh, territory in the table. Uh, the offense, it's almost average. They're getting over one and a quarter goals per match. But the defense has been the real bugaboo. They give up uh, two and a half goals per match, I believe, on the dot. Good for only the 17th best goal differential. I don't think this is a team that is going to be getting out of the meaningless section of the table. On the positive side for them, they do have a top 10 score in the league with six on the year. B. Para, Spanish midfielder, 35 years old. Not one of the best teams over in Spain by any uh, by any means, but she played for Real Betis for a while before coming over here. Team's current form, uh, not so happy. 1-0-4 in their last five with a 7-16 and goal differential. So that defense is going from bad to worse. Uh, Carretero, can they put a couple on the board? They play out of the city and the state of the same name in the central part of the country. Uh, they are a part of the second biggest metro in the area in terms of uh, 
number of dollars earned per capita. This is a very, uh, I don't know if swanky might be too strong a term, but it's a very nice area. Uh, Metro is about one and a half million people. If you're wondering about the name, by the way, as I was, I found out a couple different possible etymologies. It might mean place of reptiles or giant rocks. Uh, likely this is, if it's reptiles, likely it's a reference to uh, blue salamanders that the area is somewhat uh, famous for. Why on earth they don't have that for a mascot is beyond me. Nothing wrong with being the white roosters, but really, blue salamanders? Come on, you got to go with that. Club was founded in 2016. 2021-22 Clausura stage, they finished in 12th place. Uh, this year, they are who they are. Uh, 13th best offense and defense. They give up exactly uh, two per match. So <laughs> I was going to say rock in a hard place, but it's kind of the <laughs> kind of the opposite. I don't know whether to expect a shootout with this thing or a nil-nil draw. Either way, uh, it could be ugly. At the very least, it'll be meaningless. Team leading score with five on the year for them is Edna Santa Maria. Team's current form, uh, they just suffered a 2-3 loss to number seven Toluca that actually snapped a two-match winning streak. And now for what is really match number 13 and what an appropriate number it is because we'd never end this show on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, teams that deserve to be cast into the outer darkness. Okay, that might be too traumatic, but at the very least relegated from their league if they have that. This is the match of Disappointed! And you have voted for a Tuesday match. From the Welsh Premier League or Cymru Premier League, they are ranked number 50 out of the 55 leagues in UEFA. So the whole league isn't very darn good. And helping to make that happen will be these two teams. Two teams are going to get relegated at the end of the year. And by gosh, it's looking like it would be these two at least early on. Number 11, second to last place, uh, Aberystwyth taking on number 12, Airbus UK Broughton. Uh, let's see. Aberystwyth, they lead Airbus by five. Uh, and the, they trail number 10, Pontypridd United, by three on goal differentials. So, uh, in the spirit of fairness, uh, Aberystwyth, yes, you still could easily climb out of the relegation zone. It's certainly early enough in the season. But we make no excuses. You still stink right now. Series between these two, Aberystwyth have had the slight advantage with a 14-2-12 record. Uh, that city, by the way, has between, uh, I've read a number of things. I can't tell if it's closer to 10,000, closer to 20,000. Uh, it's in the historical Cardiganshire region. Uh, right now, uh, the area is called, uh, the county, I believe, is called Asiridigian, which I'm probably mispronouncing. It's one of the four most Welsh-speaking areas left in the country. The, the language is making a comeback in Wales, and that's so exciting as somebody who has a little bit of a background with uh word related uh written word related things that always you don't want to see languages like that go away the team is called the seasiders they were a founding member of this league and are 138 years old that said not too much success over that time 2009 they were the runners up in the fa cup that's about the best they've ever done in anything 2013-14 they finished in seventh place i believe that's the best they've ever done it was actually good enough to get them into the europa league that year and they lost in the first qualifying round but good on them for getting to international competition at least once last year they finished in eighth place this year 
the offense is bad enough. They're only scoring one goal per match, but they're uh, giving up roughly two and a half goals per match, and that is tied for the worst in the league. Only player I think they have with multiple goals on the year is Alex Darlington, veteran, 33 years old, used to play for Wrexham. I believe there's a couple of teams that might carry the Wrexham moniker, but I believe that is Wrexham AFC in this particular case with if it with uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney, the movie and TV stars, respectively, uh, they have owned this team for about two years and have a really fun documentary series going on Hulu where they follow the team and people from the town and their ownership adventures called Welcome to Wrexham. Really encourage you to check it out. Uh, back when he was younger and probably a fair bit better, sorry, Alex, he also played for a team called TNS, which is easily the best team uh, in recent years in this league. Team's current form, well, they started the season with a win at Airbus, and uh, their only win since was a 2-1 win over number four, Connors Quay. And now Airbus UK. Broughton is uh, a village in northeast Wales, which if you couple it with the neighboring village of Breton, and they're effectively one area, has maybe 6,000 people. They are known as the Wingmakers, a direct reference to, uh, you know, the team being called Airbus UK. That's pretty much uh, the only major employer in this area has been uh, the uh, aircraft manufacturer. They don't make the whole plane, only the wings. Uh, they only made the Division One uh, league here in the early 2000s for the first time. 2013 through 16, they had a decent run. They played in the Europa League three different times. Uh, never won anything. They always dropped out in the first qualifying round. Uh, they got relegated after the 2016-17 season. Last year, they won uh, their league in the second division. There's two leagues that make up the Welsh second division. It's the Cymru or Welsh North. Uh, they're pretty much the same on their as their opponents on offense and defense in terms of numbers, but they haven't managed to win any games. Uh, team leading scorer, I believe he has two, is Steve Thomason, English defender. When your defender is your leading scorer, perhaps that tells you most of what you need to know. He also played with Mech, uh, with Wrexham, although they loaned him out multiple times, so he probably didn't get to be Deadpool ever. Team's current form, uh, they just got their lone point. They've got one draw in the season. They somehow earned a 4-4 draw versus number nine, Newtown. And rather than wishing the two of these teams good luck, as we might do if it were any other two teams at the end of the podcast, we will give them what they deserve and shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Come away. Hey, boo. Boo. Yeah, Waldorf Statler, that really is how we end the show most each and every week. This has been episode 102 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Persanoob. Thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the interno inferno, always on fire with his creative and inspirational efforts. Equally on fire, but doesn't get the uh, fiery moniker, my daughter and co-host, Persanoob, my little fifth grader. Thank you so much for joining me, helping me out as you do each and every week. I know we have a lot of fun with this. And thank you for uh, to you for listening. I hope you've had a lot of fun. And uh, if so, that you will pass this along to your footy-minded friends or those who you might want to have become footy-minded friends. As I mentioned in the intro, we're really making an effort to explain a little bit more about some of the league structures and international tournaments uh, with each and every episode. And then 
they can in turn also know that they can find us on Soccer Noob USA and uh, answer any questions if they don't just want to go over to Wikipedia, which would be a lot less fun in my opinion. In any case, thank you one more time. We'll see you again in a few days. Have a fabulous footy week. Take care.